because let's be honest, we have to qualify for the next tournament or tournaments because we missed two, we can't miss three in a row. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast, The Bold Tackle. We are your hosts, Sophie Howard and Oliver Howard, and we are ready to tackle bold topics in sport, highlight the women's football industry, and speak about the unspoken. If you are ready to get an insight into what really goes on behind the scenes, join us on our journey and listen in to The Bold Tackle. Hello and welcome back to the Bowl Tackle. Welcome back, everyone. Big question, Ollie. Are you watching the Bowl Cup? To be honest, I've only watched one match so far. It was Germany. Um, just because the times are so early and either I'm at work or you have to get up really, really early. So I find it difficult to follow it, although I'd love to watch it more than I actually do. Yeah, I do agree. I think the time difference is quite tricky. I think personally, I always miss the first game, but... Um... When I wake up, the second game gets put on, on the screen. How have you found it so far? Um, I think it's very rewarding to see um, the record crowds, the record attendances. Um, you can see that it's one of the biggest, or actually you can see that it's the biggest World Cup yet, the most competitive one. You can see that based on the results. Um, so I think it's very exciting. We talked about the growth in women's sports in one of our previous episodes. And um, looking back many years, I remember this one match where someone tried to score, hit the post, and the defender took the ball in the hand, forgot what she was doing, <laughs> and dropped it again. And no one knew what to do in this situation. And I think we've come a very, very long way since then. And also, I don't think we should forget this, Pause. You always say this, we're talking about football, not women's football and men's football. But this is exactly what often happens. Women's football still gets laughed about and say, oh, it's still not as far as men's football. But watching the growth over the last couple of years, and it was only four to eight years, it's immensely, and seeing the record attendance, just as you said, oh, a, a great development for the sport. Definitely, I can only agree. Um, I think if you even look at the, the level at the World Cup, it's growing massively. Um, even to the previous World Cup in 2019, um, I remember opening games back then four years ago were in double digits. Now um, yeah. the results, yeah, now the results are so tight and it's so competitive. And I think what we need to realise is countries and leagues have now started investing and um, focusing on the development domestically which now allows the teams to perform so much better because now you have the conditions to actually, we spoke about a high performance environment last time and they now have the support to actually achieve and and perform. And you can see that at the World Cup. You invest a little bit and the growth is there already, not only with attendance, but also with the quality of the game. Absolutely. And also we talked about the fans in our last episode. Now you have the fans behind you. So there'll be this extra little bit more motivation to go all the way to the end, to, de to, to lose your legs, as you said last time. So it's going to be really exciting how this World Cup plays out in the end. Yeah, definitely. You could see that in the first two opening games or the opening game in New Zealand and then the one in Australia, because obviously this is the first time that two nations are hosting the World Cup, which hasn't happened previously uh, for a women's World Cup. And um, both both games had record attendances. And for New Zealand, for example, they were 
going out there to make history and they did. That was their first win at home, but their first win for the World Cup. And that was huge. So CJ Bott plays for New Zealand and she plays with you in Leicester. What has her view been on the whole thing? Have you spoken to her since? I haven't spoken to her since. I sent a, a good luck message and then afterwards, obviously, a congrats after that first game. Um, they just recently played their second game and obviously that wasn't a great, great result for them. Um, but I think CJ's done really, really well. And I think she is enjoying that home World Cup on home soil and she's enjoying that they can make history and that they are making history. You can see that in their face when they scored and when, when the game was over. They were over the moon and they have played many World Cups um, as a nation um, and this is their time to actually shine. Yeah, and I think it's lovely to be able to see those emotions and follow it on TV now because there's a lot of coverage that always has, that hasn't always been like that either. Um, so, so it's great to be able to follow it. Let's talk about you a little bit because you play for Scotland, obviously. Um, I think you made your debut in 2017, but you missed out on the last two big tournaments, the Euro Championship last year and now the World Cup in, in 2023. Um, how do you see uh, the whole development of the Scotland squad and the future for your squad me personally i think we should be at that world cup based on our capability um based on what we can produce on the pitch um i think euros we weren't at the point that we were just before the world cup or uh, where we are now i think we wouldn't have been ready for the euros however i do think we were ready for the world cup and the fact that we didn't qualify was devastating it not only because obviously we didn't qualify but we we gave away that game, we gave away the chance against the Republic of Ireland that are now at the, the World Cup. Um, it was a narrow 1-0 defeat, but it was in our hands. We should have won that game. Um, we just, I think, again, we spoke about it last time, but we had fear of failure. And I always say that because we looked stiff, we looked almost scared on the ball, and that's not who we are. We were a brave team. So you think it was more mental blackout more than your capabilities? Yeah, it was the mental side of it restricted what was happening on the pitch. Um, we could only we can only see the the football side of it, and we looked like we were scared, scared to lose. Not scared of the game or the challenge, but scared to lose. And as I said before, that cost us the game. We were rigid. Um, we weren't confident in what we were doing. And um, unfortunately, that cost us qualifying for the World Cup. We we played against Austria before, and that people were saying that was a tougher game, and we'd put in a really good performance. But this is again the mental side of the game. You play play against an opponent where you're not meant to win, maybe, and you go out and win. You put a massive shift in. You put a good battle in. You you play really good, confident football because in the end, you have nothing to lose. You're giving it your all. You're going for it. And do you think Scotland can establish themselves uh, in going to these big tournaments? I, I've seen you've had a, a quite a big change within the squad. Is that the preparation to actually establish yourself long term? I'd say so, yes. I think we're bringing a lot of younger players in. Um, how Pedro, our national team manager, works is he's got a pool of players and there's some rotation within the squad. There's, I'd say, maybe a, a cool group that pretty much remains the same, but there's constant rotation uh, for other for other positions within the squad, which is good because you need a pool of players. You can't rely on only 23, say, and then um, injuries happen and then you're stuck. So he does that really well. And I think bringing in younger players is a sign of preparing for the next, say, four years. 
which is then the next World Cup. Because let's be honest, we have to qualify for the next tournament or tournament. Because if we miss two, we can't miss three in a row. So going back to the World Cup, how do you feel about watching it now and seeing Ireland being in the World Cup? It's hard. Um, I'd lie if I said, yeah, it's it's nice to watch. I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. Um, but I almost had to have a word with myself. I think before the World Cup happened or started and kind of the build-up, I um, I avoided watching anything that had anything to do with the World Cup because I think I still was almost heartbroken. It, it still hurt, but I had to... It was a conflict between that disappointment and frustration and wanting and needing to support the female athletes out there that are competing on the on the world's biggest stage. It's it's about putting your personal disappointment aside and doing what we've always done in women's football. We support one another, we celebrate one another, and in the end, it's about growing the game and inspiring the next generation, we say. So now it's my job. I haven't qualified personally with Scotland, so now I need to support the female athletes out there. I think that's a really good point you make and I was nearly going to jump in as you said you, you weren't watching anything in women's football after you hadn't qualified because I remember watching an interview of one of the men's footballers and he missed out on whatever it was Champions League or, or European Championship or World Cup and he said oh no I'm not watching it. I, I play football but I'm not a fan of watching football and um, okay totally accepted but I don't think women's football is quite there yet to be able to do that you need every support and every audience and every um, promotion you can get on the sports because yes we've seen grow growing numbers um, you spoke about um, the record attendance which is pretty high on tv watching it and actually going to the stadium and tickets being sold but you're not quite there yet so you need every support the sport can get to make it bigger and to get the money to come into the sport yeah, and I think you, you addressed something really crucial for the women's game. We know that we are relying on one another as well as women's footballers, as female footballers. And also, we, we're a, a game of inclusion and togetherness. And we know that by ourselves, we can achieve so little. But together, we can achieve massive things. So whatever your role is in that situation, often you talk within teams, whether your role is a starter or maybe a finisher, say a substitute. Now my role is to celebrate and cheer on the girls and women that are competing out there. In the previous episodes, we also spoke about the development of women's football in the UK, especially we had a quick hint at Germany and what's happening in the US. Um, watching the World Cup, can you see this development and growth within the sport, the, the capabilities, the high performance of professionality in all countries? Yes, definitely. Um, I think you still have the powerhouses and that is for me the US Germany, um, England's getting up there now, um, obviously with the win in the Euros, but say Germany and the US, they've, they've always competed at that level. So they're still the powerhouses, but the gap to these big nations is closing and you can see that in the results and you can see that in the performances because often they're not lucky performances. Sometimes you need a little bit of luck, definitely, but often it's the teams grinding out these results through just really good, solid performances. And do we also see development in tactics and the style of play? 
yeah, I, I'd agree so. Um, I was actually speaking to someone yesterday. Um, I don't know if, if you were following this, but as a send-off game, pretty much, the US were playing Wales uh, not long ago. And um, we were speaking about how Wales managed to, I guess, contain the US. Because, as I said, US is still a powerhouse. And um, it was very clear that the US is very good if you leave, give them space in behind. So what Wales did is sat a little bit deeper and took away that space. So now they're breaking down a team that's sitting in a deep block, a low block. And I, I don't know if they struggled, but it was definitely a bigger challenge. Um, I think the issue was that we addressed this last uh, in the last episode. Wales didn't have much going forward, so you can only defend for that long. But tactically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But tactically, the teams are now set up to take away the strength of their op- opposition. And that hasn't been the case previously. So I'm, I'm going to make a bit of a jump here. And the US looking at um, business in general always seems to be this step before everyone else. And now hearing in football that they are this step forward to everyone else in in performances, uh, in tactics, uh, and also money-wise, if we're pretty honest. I'd like to have a quick hint of this in, in a second. What are they doing differently to other countries that they are performing so well and growing this little bit faster than anyone else? Um, I think the US as a country and nation, just from my experience, is a very forward-thinking nation. They are always looking how to improve a situation. Um, If that's performance-wise, if that's commercially, um, if that's any other area, they're so forward-thinking. And um, for many years, there has been so much investment in the national team and also the players individually. Women's football is the biggest female sport in the US. On the male side, you've got the American football. Um, The MLS is not the biggest, I guess, league or the biggest sport in America. It's American football. Um, So for the women, it's football. The soccer, they call it over there. But the European football. So they are really pushing and putting everything into women's football. Of course, they've got their own struggles. You've seen over years the, the women fighting for equal pay. That's something we're going to discuss later on in the in this podcast. But they are so innovative and their focus on growing this game is massive that it's not a surprise that they're up there with all the numbers. I don't think equal pay should be something we discuss sometime later in the podcast. I think we should really speak about it in the next episode because this is a topic that is talked about very, very often. Um, and let's give a quick hint here before we end the episode because you sent me a chart of the highest paid women's footballers at the World Cup and looking at the top 10, there's one Spanish player and all the other, just to let you know, they're in the millions they earn over a million dollars. Um, where does that investment and money come from? Because I can't imagine it coming from the football clubs. They can't be earning enough money yet to be paying that sort of money, can they? I'd say no. I think they've got decent wages without knowing any numbers, but I think the majority of, of these numbers that I sent you uh, come from commercial deals. And that is where they're running away pretty much because we in Europe generally we are trying to catch up. But the US is doing so well commercially that they're running away. Let's talk about equal pay just quickly because I really, really like to go into depth in the next episode. Don't you think the fans that we spoke about so often can help 
women's football to achieve the growth they want. Everyone keeps talking about equal pay, but don't you think there can be support from outside by watching more women's football or women's sport in general, going to the um, games, paying for the tickets, buying their shirts, all this type of stuff. So the money from the advertising part is actually invested into women's football. Because if I see that the stadium fills up, the King Power Stadium, for example, filling up totally, you're having all those fans watching, I would invest in a new kit sponsor. I would invest in having banners there. I would invest in being visible by the fans. Yes, that's something that we're working towards, but we're still far off. Um, interesting, you can see Newcastle in the in the third tier are filling stadiums, or got got um, an audience in the forty thousands. So why can't we? There's a there's a lack of um, maybe like a, a process of how this is going to work. For now, I think we are working towards something, but for now, we don't even get ten thousand, and then we're wondering how we we're not getting the revenue. I think what is crucial to, for everyone to know is we need the revenue for them people to invest in us again. Our, a women's team won't make profit. But I found out recently that the men don't make profit. But no. their wages they, rely they, on the they revenue. They never have, I don't think. No, it's, a, it's almost a lose-lose business kind of thing. But the revenue allows them to be on the wages that they're on. And this is what people need to realise. And what we're talking about is not a football club making money. It's about how can we get the players to earn the money they deserve. We spoke about this a lot. Development is there. You started off having to have university and a job by the side. And football was your main thing, but not the main uh, income source. And this is already changing. You're professional now. We're on the right way. Maybe we should not think too far ahead, but enjoy the process in working towards the goal. I think we all have for women's football or women's sport in general, because equal pay is the place we need to be, but it can't be achieved in a day or two. It just needs a little bit of time. And this is not me trying to buy time. It's thinking realistically, I think. But, so let's please not talk about this too often because this episode will go for ages. Uh, I would really like to highlight it in the next episode. Let's So let's do that. Um, we'll talk about equal pay in the next episode. I, I really can't wait. Um, to end this episode now, I think I've said this before, but I, I will, let's end it now. What are your top three picks to win the World Cup? Or can you give me your favourite? I definitely say the US is up there. Whether they're going to do it a third time or not, not sure because they've had a massive phase of transition, but I think they're they're just winners. So US is up there. Um, I think I think Spain is up there. Um, I think probably a lot of listeners know what has been going on there, but um, their football does the talking. I think the Spain is up there, and as much as I didn't think so going into the tournament. But Germany will be up there as well. So for me, it's the US, Spain and Germany. Three big countries. Is there an outsider you could think of that might have a chance? I think there's teams that can surprise and go far. But we haven't, we haven't closed the gap quite yet. So let's see if your prediction was right here. So thank you very much for your insights again. Uh, I can't, I really, really, you can hear it in my voice. I really can't <laughs> wait for the next episode. Um, thank you for your time and we'll speak soon. Everyone, this is the business side of Oliver Howard speaking. He can't wait to discuss <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you soon.